Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Let's talk a bit of politics relating to COVID-19. Shannon Sandberg, political scientist, friend of mine, and friend of CJOB's, is on the phone. Shannon, oh, good afternoon. Just, uh, lost Shannon. I'll try to get her back. All right, we've lost Shannon, no problem. I've changed microphones, by the way. A couple of people said, how you sound like you're in a tin can? Well, we're we're trying to uh, give uh, different equipment a try here and, and get the best possible sound for you. But listen, um, I'm just really excited about being on the air. And as I said on social media this morning, proud to be helping all of you get through this COVID-19 pandemic and uh, and I said this and I meant this, and you're helping me get through it as well. Lots of emails, lots of text messages, lots of phone calls, and I appreciate them all. I'll get to some text messages in a moment. I think we have Shannon Sampert again. Hi, Shannon. Hi there. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks a lot for doing this. So, um, it, you know, there's been criticism of Donald Trump in the U.S., the way he has handled the COVID-19. There were some uh, there was some action early, but then other stuff was delayed. How do you feel uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is handling things? Well, I actually talked to a political scientist in the United States that's dealing with COVID-19 as well. And uh, she she expressed dismay about what's happening in the United States, the kind of confusion that exists right now and the types of double messaging that's occurring and really expressed a jealousy about the fact that in Canada we have such a clear message that's coming from our officials, not only from our prime minister, but also from the public health agency. Uh, you know, our hat has to go off to uh, Dr. Theresa Tam and the very clear messaging from day one uh, from the officials from the public health agency in terms of, you know, the very uh, calm and clear messaging on how to make and flatten this curve uh, on this on this pandemic. Uh, and I have to point out that, uh, you know, the prime minister is is obviously acting uh, and, and, and making his message clear, but he has had to self-isolate himself because of, of his wife. Um, it was really kind of wonderful to watch as a feminist the fact that we have three women in charge right now, Teresa Tam, Patty Hedju, and then, of course, Christian Freeland as the, uh, as the uh, Deputy Prime Minister. Today's, today's uh, uh, news conference was wonderful in the fact that there's a very clear messaging occurring and we have uh, we have people that are in charge they're not panicking and they're they're very clear messaging yeah and and compared to the u.s donald trump i mean when you think about it our prime minister is is essentially quarantined or or self-isolating because uh, his wife has tested positive uh, in the U.S., the president, until just the other day, continued to shake hands, um, and and he really has sent out some mixed messages, and only in the past couple of days has he taken the potential for this pandemic um, seriously. Well, and it's despicable, too, that he t- continues to call it the Chinese virus, which is, uh, you know, another example of sort of a xenophobic response. I mean, it's been horrific, and also, it's been horrific at this sort of partisan media flip-flopping on it. I mean, Fox News, which has been so conservative and so uh, pro-Trump, 
uh, actually in it actually abdicating their role of responsible in uh, with these uh, commentators, these partisan commentators, actually fueling the flames of partisanship by by suggesting at some point or another in time that this is all some sort of democratic plot to you know to 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 uh, usurp the government, and uh, I think that's just a really bad statement about the role of the media in the United States in actually making the pandemic worse. At least in Canada, uh, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, uh, partisanship left-right leaning. We at least can count on our media to provide us at least with some semblance of information. I mean, it might be a little bit slanted, but at least the information is clear. We yeah, provide. I, uh, uh, we do not. We do not tell our public health authorities what they can and cannot say. And the information is, you know, we have these news conferences, and people are allowed to say what they're allowed to say. And the government does not control that. And uh, I am thankful every day that we we have continue to have that kind of uh, that kind of uh, response from our federal government. You know, I I'm not the only one, but I have in the past questioned the leadership that Justin Trudeau has shown on other issues. He really is showing some leadership on this one. And I think Premier Pallister here in Manitoba has really uh, shown to be a strong leader. You may not necessarily always agree with him, but he, he does, he, to me anyhow, Shannon, and you can disagree if you want, he does what he says he's going to do and he makes a quick decision, right or wrong. He, he's, he's very strong in that way. Yeah, I think the the biggest issue we have more than anything, Hal, is uh, is the ongoing problem with the fact that we really don't know what's happening and the shortage of testing kits, the shortage of uh, of people, and uh, the shortage of supplies. So a very dear friend of mine is a, a family doctor. Her husband is a pathologist in Prince Edward Island, and frankly, a lot of times, a lot of this stuff is just sort of you know the protocols are being changed all the time that that is normal during this this kind of this this kind of crisis at the provincial level you know people really don't know all the time what's going on um, and so after the fact people are going to start pointing fingers and start pointing blame but right now I think everybody is basically doing the best they can and um and i and i and i would really challenge opposition either federally or provincially to get on the bandwagon and actually support rather than being critical because this is not the time to be critical um after the after the fact we can have that conversation but i think you're right nobody is acting in any way shape or form with malice everybody is doing the best they can it's not yeah. like in China where they're trying to hide figures. They're doing what they can in order to prevent the spread. All right, so let's take that. That was going to be my next question. Wab Canoe and the NDP with these budget delaying tactics. Uh, I, I, I just don't, I didn't get it to begin with. I really don't get it now. Well, it was a stunt, and it was a stunt that might have worked well if COVID-19 hadn't become an issue. And it's, uh, it's just ludicrous. It's lunacy. And I've been debating people since uh, last week on this issue. And uh, people who are devout NDP keep talking about, you know, the fact that they are right to do this. And I keep, and I keep saying, you know, everybody has, just because you're right doesn't mean you should. Um, nobody cares right now about what is going on uh, in terms of the NDP's procedural wrangling. 
And frankly, Tom Broadbeck, uh, who I adore uh, with the Winnipeg Free Press, uh, made a really good point that the numbers in the budget right now aren't going to align anyway. So everybody should scrap what they're doing with this budget and start over again. And I think that Pallister should actually uh, say, okay, you know what, all bets are off. COVID-19 has knocked the socks out of this budget anyway. I'm going to do a spending estimate instead, and we're going to proceed in a different direction. And, uh, and I think that would be very wise. I also have to say Brian Bowman should stop city council meetings and budgets as well. I think that shows a lack of leadership on behalf of our city council. Um, and I'm, I'm really disappointed with uh, the actions of our city council as well. Well, boy, it's like you've seen my notes or something here, Shannon, because that was going to be my next question. I really think that all politicians at every level of government need to say, hey, this is a, this is a game changer, full stop. And we got to deal with this, and we'll get to the budgets and the politics at some point when this, when that curve flattens. Well, I just don't understand how a responsible city councillor can sit there and debate slashing, uh, slashing budgets and slashing, uh, slashing different agencies when we're talking about a level two emergency in uh, in the, the city of Winnipeg. I just, you know, where's the responsibility there? You know, I I, I just find it intolerable, and and uh, Brian Bowman should give his head a shake. I'll tell you one uh, thing, Shannon, about working from home that I'm enjoying is we get to spend time with our dogs. Well, and mine, of course, uh, they're always a great audience, as everybody knows. <laughs> they always have two cents to say. Um, the yes. only problem is, is that they keep forgetting their pass key, so I have to let them in and out. And they <laughs> drink and eat all day long and, make, uh, and, and sniff each other in the wrong areas. So as co-workers, they're not exactly agreeable. Yes, right. Shannon Sampert, thank you very much. I appreciate this. <laughs> You bet. Have a great day. <laughs> Shannon Sampert, political scientist, uh, talking about politics and COVID-19. And, uh, and and I agree with Shannon. I think the politics has to come to an end. I mean, there, there, will, be, there will be time for that. Uh, right now, Sean Jeffrey, the executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, is on the phone. Sean, good afternoon. Hi, Hal. I'm working from my mobile home right now. All right, good. So your social distancing and, and washing your hands and all that kind of stuff. Um, listen, I wanted to have you on here today because obviously you have members of the association, the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, many members, but you're also offering your help at the association to non-members. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, with uh, with the spread of the virus, uh, Manitoba restaurants have taken some serious proactive measures and uh, um, not being mandated by our provincial or federal government to close. Uh, we're currently sitting at about 65 to 70 percent of our membership has closed their restaurants in a proactive measure to ensure the safety of our uh, staff and our patrons. So um, and we're reaching out to all all restaurants out there because uh, we uh, we have to look past this, and we got to, as an industry and as a society, we have to take care of each other. And uh, we're opening ourselves to uh, to all restaurants out there if they need any assistance. Uh, to feel free to contact our office, uh, and we're more than willing to to assist them in any way possible. Listen, if you own a restaurant, that's a tough decision. You're dealing with employees. Uh, you know how are they going to survive? How are you going to survive? Paying your rent, paying your lease. Um, what is the right decision when it comes to deciding to close your dining room? 
uh, or or not closing it. I, I, when people have emailed or text messaged me about it, I say, listen, it's if you don't feel comfortable with it, then don't go to that restaurant if it continues to be open. But is there is there a right answer here, Sean? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. We we met with the board of directors of the restaurant association yesterday just to get feedback and kind of pick everybody's ear on what we were doing and what we felt was the best practice. And, and we came up with a conclusion that the best practice in this situation as a social responsibility man's point of view is that we need to promote our delivery, our takeout, our social distancing type options that we have available, obviously. Um, there's a lot of, there's options out there to still enjoy that, uh, that great, you know, food from at your favorite restaurant through, you know, takeout, through the different delivery options, different different delivery platforms. Um, and some restaurants have maintained uh, to stay open. Um, and that's really a lot based on their demographics. And those demographics are the size of their restaurants. And they've adopted stringent um, sanitation and social distancing uh, measures to ensure that customers that go in, in the restaurants are safe. Um, but that's changing daily. You know, I've talked to a few restaurateurs uh, here on the show over the past couple of days, and uh, uh, my question to them is, how are you doing with just delivery and grab-and-go? Is it enough uh, to survive? What are you hearing from your members out there uh, on that front? And are the delivery, the various delivery services, are they reporting to you that they are very busy? Are people trying to support the restaurants in town uh, by ordering and, and picking up or having it delivered? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, um, we've been in contact with the major delivery partners uh, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, we uh, have gotten some feedback from them. Then, yes, there has been an increase in delivery. Um, but uh, I don't, uh, I won't uh, discount the uh, challenges that's happening in our industry. The, this uh, closing your restaurant and going to a delivery and takeout, takeout option is very detrimental to pretty much every restaurant that's doing it. And again, um, this was not mandated by the government. Our restaurant operators have chosen to do this out of the out of the you know social responsibility to ensure their patrons and their employees are healthy. So the reality is is that they're taking a massive hit by closing their restaurants and going to these options. And all we can ask is that patrons out there, if you have the means, if it's possible, and you still want to partake in your favorite restaurant, please utilize the different options because restaurants are employing thousands and thousands of employees and they're trying to support these employees also and maintain uh, employment and have as many of them as possible. Some even converting them to delivery drivers, some doing massive cleanup efforts in their restaurants while they're closed, just trying to utilize them in any way possible. As we've talked in the past, you know that this industry is a big family and we all need to support each other. So all we're asking is that the public, if they can in any way, please continue to support your favorite restaurant. You know, we don't know how long this might continue like this. Uh, Sean, have have you or anybody at the association given that some thought? Do you have a a, a number of days or, or weeks in your mind where you think we can get through this? And then beyond that point, you wonder if we can get through this as an industry yeah, I, or, or it certainly makes yeah. it more difficult. It's it's difficult, and even I think it was Brett McGarry that even said this morning on the morning show. And working in a restaurant, he was closed for one evening because of a power outage, and it cost him you know thousands of dollars. Well, you know we're working day by day, but when when it comes down to it, we're, this is an evolving process, and we need to make sure that day by day we're looking for different ways. A lot of restaurants are implementing different methods of 
you know, grab-and-go options and different ways that they can get it and uh, their food out to customers in a socially responsible manner. And, um, you know, we need to continue to uh, to work for that. But, uh, yeah, we haven't gotten a lot of uh, feedback on the time, the length, other than some suppliers who have worked with uh, with supplying overseas have been telling us a random timeline of how long it took to for China to get through that. But, unfortunately, we don't know because I think that, um, you know, we're ahead of the game. And if we continue to practice these uh, these extreme measures, which we've already adopted here, um, we we're hoping that this will flatten that curve and, and get back to normal as soon as possible. Sean, thanks a lot. I'm sure we'll chat again soon. I appreciate your time today. Thanks. Take care, Hal. Thank you. Sean Jeffrey, Executive Director at the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. Dr. Raymond Abdul-Raymond, Director of Clinic Psychology, who joins us on the phone now. Doc, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Haven't talked to you in a while. Nice to, nice to chat with you again. It's been a while. It is nice to talk to you. Yeah. How are things, uh, what are you hearing from people as more and more of us, like myself today, first day for me working from home, how are how are people managing that part of it as you talk to people? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think there are some people who are very worried, and then there are some people who are very calm about it. And I think both responses are fairly normal, but it's, it's quite mixed in what I've been hearing. And, you know, you're talking about the fear and stuff, but I think as this goes on for a while, Greg Mackley, we just talked to him before the news at 2.30. Greg's been working from home for several days. Uh, his wife, Jackie, he has a Jackie for a wife, too. Uh, she's working mm-hmm. from home, and their kids are home, their boys are home. And, you know, we're not used to being together as a family uh, over, you know, 24-7 like that. That can be challenging, I'll bet. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is about getting used to different things. I think it's interesting in life we have, uh, you know, we've segregated so many aspects of our life. You know, there's our work self, and then there's our home self, and then there's our parent self. And even as children, you know, there are students, and then they're their, their children. And it's interesting, this kind of situation has really forced us all to come to terms with our whole self, where we have to balance everything at one time. And in some ways, there's been a positive about that, right? Because uh, we talk about often being professional. And uh, what that means for many people is that we isolate these different elements of ourselves. And here, all of a sudden, we have to talk about the real elements about life in all aspects of ourselves. I mean, in scheduling this interview, I said to Cam, I said, uh, you're going to have to pardon me if my kid comes up because he'll be playing with Lego for a little bit. But there's a good chance this interview might get interrupted. Um And that's now being able to see all sides of humanity and understand that professionalism and us living our lives is not about segregating different elements about that. So I think that's the plus out of all of this. Yeah, and I think there are other pluses too, Doc. I think you're absolutely right. I was talking to Shannon Sampert, a political scientist earlier, and her dog was barking in the background. And we were talking about, you know, how it's nice to be home with with our animals. And uh, so, and I agree with you. I think there are are some uh, pluses that are going to to come out of this. I got a list. I'll I'll talk about that list um, uh, later on. But obviously, this this will get more challenging if it goes on for a while. And we don't have a timeline on this. We don't know. Yeah. And that's going to that's definitely going to bring up a lot of anxiety for people. Um, And I think, you know, anxiety is all about the fear of the unknown, you know, what the uncertainty of things that are going to come. 
And mm-hmm. some worry is good because it motivates us, it forces us to problem solve and think about how we want to manage things. But when that worry becomes excessive, it starts to interfere with our functioning. It interferes with our ability to think properly, to think logically, and to come up with good solutions to problems that we actually need at a challenging time like this. And so no, not knowing how long this is going to go on um, means that we have to do our best to remain as calm as possible. It means we've got to challenge a lot of the worries we have. It means we have to be as rational as possible because fear and um, a sense of pandemonium or catastrophe is not going to help us in the long run. This is really a head game. This is a situation where cooler heads will prevail. Well, you are one cool head, Doc. Thanks a lot for helping us, and, and I'm sure we'll chat again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Dr. Raymond Abdul-Raymond, Director of Clinic Psychology, joining us as we talk mental health relating uh, to COVID-19. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.